0: a huge welcome this morning. If you've been dragged here by a friend you've stayed with for Christmas, or you made 2017 the year you'd come to church and today is your final chance to do that, (laughs) or maybe you're here praying for a good excuse to get out of the office New Year's Eve party, you are so welcome. 2018 is looming and with it the choices. What diet plan am I going to use? What exercise regime am I going to take part in? What, what work of classical literature am I going to read this, this year? I'm going to turn 30 this year. For some of you, that seems far away. For some of you, it's a distant memory. But <laughs> is, it, is it me? Or the older you get, the more painful things become. But yesterday, I was out skating with my daughter. And I fell over. And it was the smallest, slowest fall. But my word, my knees hurt this morning age hurts. And as we open our Bibles today to Mark chapter 1, we're going to see how God may be giving us all that we need so we can be ready for something new. Our reading begins with an introduction from John, John the Baptist, John who is sometimes called John the prophet, but he was very, very strange. He was preparing people in that region of Galilee. For something new. Something that the Jewish people had been waiting for for hundreds of years. He wore odd clothes. He ate strange food. But yet he carried with him a message. A message that said that freedom is available. That there is something coming that is so new. And the thing is, I think that if John was about today, he'd be quite embarrassed that we're talking about him. Because his whole life, his whole existence, his whole purpose was about pointing towards Jesus. His whole purpose was pointing to someone else, preparing people so they may encounter Jesus Christ. And we all here have met many Johns in our life. We've all had our ways prepared here. Some of us, we've been dragged by Johns to come to church. For some of us, it's been a soft approach. Some of us, we might have been raised by Johns in the house who prepared the way for us to come to know Jesus. The thing is, is we've all met people who have looked a bit funny, maybe wore socks with sandals. Maybe they ate something strange like lots of quiche and elderflower. Maybe they even spoke funny or maybe appeared a little odd, maybe smiling all the time, as Christians tend to do. And yet they often carried a message that grabbed our attention. That message may be one of grace, of love salvation, something grabbed our attention. And the thing is, is nothing good historically came from this area, Nazareth. I grew up in an area um, that sounds about as good as it is. It's called Wick. And it's a bit like Nazareth in many ways. Nothing good came out from there. Here's a picture of, of the house I grew up in. Uh, it's a block of flats, and in fact, we uh, started living there at the top floor flat. We got a bit bored of the balcony and asked for a garden to so move downstairs um, a couple of doors. But the thing is, is if you meet anyone from Sussex, and you mention the place Wick, or the locals fondly known as Wickites, you would get quite a negative reaction. And yet, when I scratched beneath the surface, I realized in that wilderness called Wick, there were loads of Johns preparing me to meet with Jesus. My parents divorced when I was two, and I lived with my dad and my two older siblings. And the thing is, growing up, life was a bit tricky. Life was tough. My dad worked many jobs to, to help feed us. And so I often felt overlooked. I was the youngest, and I, and I found school difficult. And yet, every morning on the way to school, these three lads would walk with me. Ben T., Tom S., and Joel H., And the thing is, is I didn't really know what Christianity was about. I knew there were church buildings. I knew people attended them sometimes, sometimes out of duress, sometimes out of choice. But I didn't really know much about the Christian faith. And yet these guys would meet with me every morning and walk to school, to and from. And actually, they gave me an invitation to a Christian event. You know, one of those things. And it was a seaside concert, which sounds amazing, right? I mean, the music was questionable. But they also gave me a CD. And in that CD was a band who two of the guys, their uncle was in. And so I started to know a little bit more about what Christianity was about. The music wasn't too bad. And then there were two other people that I met. A guy called Paul S. and a guy called John J. And those two used to drive a minibus onto the council estate that I lived on. And they were employed by a church and they would take us for day trips. Take us laser quest, take us bowling, take us ice skating, all for a quid. And they also set up these Father Sundays where you could go and watch basketball with your father. And for me, those moments with my dad, who was so distracted with work and all sorts, were absolutely priceless. And so I started to learn a little bit about what Christians did. And then there was a Mrs. H., Mrs. H was one of my school teachers, and she forced me to be in the choir. And at first, I was flattered. I was like, how does she know I sing so well? And then I appeared on the first day and realized, I'm the only guy. I'm being stitched up. And the thing is, they had a deal with a local cathedral that we could go and do our carols if they had a choir boy that would sing the opening verse of Once in Royal David City. And so like a lamb to the slaughter, I went year in, year out, and started singing these carols. Singing words like, veiled in flesh, the Godhead sees." Hail the Incarnate Deity. You can't sing those lyrics over and over again, not question, what is this Jesus they're singing about? And there's one other person, a girl called Hannah S. And Hannah was at my school, and I sat next to her in R and RE. And one time we had a project to do that was to create your own religion, to create your own God and idols and all sorts. And I remember Hannah standing up in class and saying, actually, sir, do you mind if I don't take part? And the thing is, Hannah had a really active Christian faith. And she said, I don't need to create idols. I don't need to create a religion because I worship a God. And so I don't need that stuff. And I remember, wow, faith actually means something. It's not just a a box she ticks. It's not just a club she goes to, but it actually means something. And then when I was 14, because of all kinds of reasons, I I ended up running away from home. And I came up to London to live with my mum. And so those guys I I didn't spend any time with, but day one of my new school, and I got on the 114 bus in Harrow, and I met these two guys, James and Dave. Everyone's got a mate called Dave. And James and Dave would get on the same bus on the way to school with me every single day. And often on a Monday they'd ask the question, how's your weekend been? And I'd be like, it's all right, how about yours? Because I'm polite. And they would say, well... We went to church, and you should hear our pastor preach. He's amazing. So I started to to ask questions about church, and they were so open to all my negativity. They were so open to my inquisitiveness. They were so open to that stuff. And then after a while, I met another teacher, just to let you know. I didn't know so many teachers because I was good. It was more the alternative. And the thing is, Mrs. P was a science teacher, and at one point I got in a fight in chemistry, and I was about to bring the, the science uh, stool down on a boy's head when it disappeared from my hands because Mrs. P had got behind me and grabbed it out of my hands. And she said, I should exclude you on the spot for violent behavior, but you need to come to my office. So I went to her office and said, I'm not going to exclude you as long as you commit to one thing, and that's meeting up with me, with me every single week and letting me know what's actually going on in your life. I found out years later she was a Christian, and that was one of my first encounters of true Grace. And there were three others, Laura P., a Mary E., and an Andre A. And those three all went to the same youth group. First time I heard that word but used before, youth group. They were all at school, and they would, they would answer all my questions that I had. I think they had their pastor on speed dial with some of the questions I was asking. But they would, they would ask all kinds of questions. And it was them that finally gave me the invite, would you like to come to church? They probably asked about 300 times, I'm not even lying. And it was only on the week that I had a rough week, but I'd watched a film called Passion of the Christ, because I thought it was a nice historical drama. And yet I was suddenly intrigued, suddenly intrigued, and so I said, yes, I'd love to come to church. And then I met two guys, finally, another James and a Mark. And these two were youth pastors, and they met up with me every single week for breakfast. And again, they would ask all the hard questions. I would ask them hard questions back. They would commit to pray for me, and it was them that actually prayed a prayer with me that said, if you want to meet with Jesus, then pray this prayer, and you can have Jesus in your life. And I said yes on that day. And it was those guys that were were John the Baptist for my life. And the thing is, is out of these names, only four of them were employed to be Christians. Everyone else was just going about their normal daily life, at school, as a teacher, someone saying hello on a bus, someone giving me extra love, and it was those guys that were preparing the way. So at the beginning of this year, who are you preparing the way for? I think the first thing that we need to know for 2018 is we need to be prepared Be prepared. Be prepared to uh, to prepare the way. As 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So be prepared to prepare others to meet with Jesus. The second thing this passage lets us know is that we need to be cleansed. The focus of this passage is not John the Baptist. It's the baptism of Jesus. The origins of baptism are largely unknown. There was a ritual bathing process that you could do at a certain time of year to become a Jew. However, that ritual bathing was a solitary thing. Whereas this baptism that John was talking about was in front of a crowd. And it was about a declaration that you were no longer going to be your former self. But you wanted to step up into something new as you were physically brought out of the water. Repentant or as that word actually means walking in a new way, walking in a different direction, you are a new creation, cleansed to live life differently. This was radical in the day. Because as we all know that down the road, there was a very well-known temple in a very well-known city called Jerusalem. Where what you could do in Jerusalem is if you went at the right time of year, with the right sacrifice, two pigeons if you're interested, wearing the right clothes, praying the right prayer, making sure you're in the right state of mind, no illnesses allowed, then, if you prayed the right prayer with the right heart, then you could be forgiven. However, this scruffy, locust eating honey-drinking guy wearing camel's hair in the middle of a desert is saying, you know what? None of that matters anymore. None of that matters. You can be cleansed from everything right here, right now. Good deeds don't save you. Spiritual business doesn't save you. Religious resolutions do not save you. But we are saved simply By faith. By faith that God has chosen us as his own and we may live differently, cleansed to walk a new way. We may have all done things in 2017 that we regret. 2017 may hold for us a a lot of hurt. Might have lost loved ones. Might have been let down. But here's the message. That we can be cleansed from all those things. To walk a different way this year. Two years after I became a Christian, I became pretty good at acting good on a Sunday and a Tuesday night Bible study. But I I really struggled with the rest of my day to day life. Really struggled with what faith means at home. Really struggled with what following Jesus looks like with my friends. I really struggled with that. So I became a really good actor. And then I went out with my mates on a Saturday night, got horrendously drunk. And then my phone alarm went off the next day. And I forgot that church was the next day. So I got up, went to church. Wearing the same clothes I'd gone out in the night before. Smelling of the same things I'd been hanging out with the night before. And then the first song. The first song that morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Me, a wretch like me. No longer do I need to try and be something I'm not. No longer do I need to clothe myself with all kinds of things. No longer do I need to try and be popular for my mates to accept me. No longer do I need those things. I've been saved by God. I'm the son of a king. And now I need to act like it. And so grace is what saved me. Grace is what helps me to belong in the family. God, that cleansing allows me to walk in a different direction. We're all in need of a deep clean. We're all in, and that work is never over, right? It's never over, and yet that invitation is always present. Be cleansed. Be cleansed. Theologians have often squabbled over why did Jesus, who was perfect, need to be baptized? It's a very good question. And yet the thing is, I think what we need to know is that Jesus was always setting us up for success. That Jesus' life was for us. And so he gives us a way. He gives us a model to be cleansed from all that stuff. He gives us a way that we can say goodbye to the old and hello to the new. Let me walk in a new way. And so here we see Jesus being baptized, being filled with the Spirit and being cleansed. Thirdly, for 2018, we need to be beautiful writing so Jesus is the one whom John the Baptist is preparing the region for and yet even he is nervous about the arrival right even I am not unworthy to untie his sandals as Jesus comes out of the water every single one of John's fears are confirmed because the heavens are torn open that's quite violent language, isn't it? It's not like, ah, we're talking torn open. Massive, massive activity going on. And God's own spirit descends like a dove. And a heavenly voice booms out from the heavens. Go and do good deeds. Nope. It's not what it says. It says, remember that dying is all part of the plan. It's not even that. The, the thing that God the Father declares in front of everyone else is you are my son and I love you and I am so pleased with you. Before all else, before any ministry, as he's 30 years old, before he's even done anything, before he's walked on water, before he's made loaves uh, multiply, before he's done any of that stuff, before he's healed anyone, you are my child, I love you and I am so pleased with you. So before any other action, before t- 2018 has even started, before you've even ticked off your first resolution. Know that God looks at you, says, I love you, you are my child, and I am so pleased with you. As the Spirit fills us, we're reminded that we're part of God's family. We're not only reminded that, but he also gives us all kinds of passions, all kinds of desires to see the world transformed in all kinds of ways. I didn't grow up in a family that took university um, or education very seriously. However, because upbringing was a bit rough, I used to read so much. And between you and me, um, I, I used to think I was a bit smarter than some of my teachers at school. It went down well. <coughs> Ironically, I got terrible GCSEs. Um, but the, the re- main reason was because I used to read so much. And while they're asking us to read Roald Dahl and Anne Fine, I was reading Mark Twain and Charles Dickens and J.R. Tolkien. However, when I became a Christian, um, I was a butcher, which is a noble profession. Uh, My father is one and his father before him. My granddad used to make black pudding for a living. That's a wonderful job. However, in the summer between high school and sick form is when I became a Christian. And there were three things that the Holy Spirit changed in my life. The first thing was that I was set up to go and join army college because I really wanted a sense of purpose that was greater than what I was seeing around me. And I felt, I felt um, the Holy Spirit fill me, and I felt the Holy Spirit change my desire for that. And saying, actually, you can have a great influence in and around where you live, um, guided by me. The second thing was my bad language, because I wanted to be a trooper. I could swear like one. And so the Holy Spirit changed that almost overnight. And the third thing that the Holy Spirit did for me was by God's Spirit gave me an absolute passion for the Bible. Within three months, I had read it cover to cover, and I consumed it. And I would ask my youth pastors loads and loads of questions, all kinds of difficult questions. I wanted to know more. And so after two years, I said, how do I learn more about the Bible? They said, why don't you do a gap year? I did not know what a gap year was. And so I did this gap year with the church, and they said, I-, I-, I was still so hungry. The Holy Spirit kept on talking to me about, about a desire to know the Bible more. And so they, asked, they, they said, well, we'll part fund you to do a degree. And my family didn't do degrees, so I did a degree. And it was quite exciting. And I learned about the Bible, and I loved it. And this past summer, I just finished my master's in theology, and I absolutely loved it. And I want to see more and more people get to know the Bible, because there's no better way to start the day and start life knowing our Heavenly Father's words to us seeing how the Son impacts our life and how through the Holy Spirit we can do far greater things than we could possibly imagine. The final thing this passage tells us to be ready is be gone. Not right now. Hold up five minutes. Before the term Christian was used, followers of Jesus and people who did the things that Jesus did were called followers of the way. Because when you're a Christian, there is movement, there is projection, there is a way to go. And so we are called not to just be cleansed and be filled and slump about on spiritual sofas like a post-Christmas lunch, lulling about spiritually obese. We're called to be gone, to go into the wilderness, to go into those places where Jesus isn't isn't, um, being shown, to go and tell people that Jesus is always at work. You just need to lift your gaze to go into the wilderness of work, to go into the wilderness of family life, to go into the wilderness of the world, preparing the way for people to meet with Jesus. Jesus was sent into the wilderness, I think, for three reasons. The first is that in the Bible, the, the, the desert or the wilderness was always a place of promise, where God promised to reveal himself. He revealed himself so powerfully as a pillar of fire, as all kinds of things, leading people through the wilderness. He promises to show up in those areas. The other, the other reason, I think, is it was a place of growth. The Israelites got to know their Heavenly Father so well as they walked for 40 years through the desert. It's a real place of growth. And the third is that it's a place in between. It's neither the town nor the city. The wilderness lies in the middle, and we as Christians are called to stand in that gap and say to our friends, our loved ones, our neighbours, That there is a kingdom over here. You might be living over here right now, but let me prepare you so that you can be living in this way. That you might be living in a certain way, but I know a God who would love, love to get to know you. And turn your gaze and turn your ways to walking a new direction. We're called to be in the gap. And so as the Holy Spirit fills us with new passions, new gifts, new ways of seeing the world, we may be gone into the world into the wilderness, preparing the paths for people to meet with Jesus. In a moment, we're going to share communion. And it's such a physical way where we can be literally filled by the presence of Jesus. So as we stand, shall we pray that God may meet us again.